0: Praise God for do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed And the ruin of that house was Great. That is going to be our jumping off point today, and I say our because I'm Michael. That's Lou. Hello. And we have come to you this week to tell you that foundations are always the most important thing.
1: Yes.
0: Now, you may be saying to yourself, okay, yeah, but I know that. We, we, we have a foundation. Oh, but what you've got to understand is your foundation is not what you do. Okay. Your foundation. Let me let me make sure we say this again so that we understand what's going on here. Your foundation is not what you do. Your foundation is why you do. Okay? And we have a really interesting study that we will show you later that will make sense of that and hopefully give us a little punchline. So a little warning, we're gonna pull the rug out from under you in a little while. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but before we do that, let's establish our ground rules and our ground rules are in one of my favorite Bible verses. We reference this all the time. And I even I to the point that I when I pulled this up as the little devotional section today, I actually stopped and went, "Surely we've done this before." Right. So I went searching through and you know what? Near as I can figure, we haven't done this before. Oh wow. <laughs> if we have, you can send your complaints to info@practicaltheologyministries.com and
1: I don't want to hear it. <laughs>
0: so excuse me so why do you call me lord lord and do not do what i say recognize here god is not playing around okay this is not as romans 6 will tell you another verse we reference all the time you don't get to go well i'm a christian but i do whatever i want that's not how this works that's not how any of this works Go back to your Old Testament warnings. Isaiah 29. Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, their reverence for me consists of traditions learned by rote. Therefore behold oh you know you're in trouble when you get a therefore Therefore behold like that's the double whammy of slow down something very 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 important is coming i will once again deal marvelously with this people wondrously marvelous and the wisdom of their wise men will perish and the discernment of their discerning men will be concealed in other words they about to be stupid Mm -hmm. they about to be Stupid. This is not going to work out the way that they think it's going to work out. Why? Because they're doing it the wrong way. It's that great line from A Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. You're going the wrong way! I love that. How do they know which way we're going? Well, (laughs) see, God knows which way you're going because God built the highway. He built the highway. He built the car you're riding in. He built the road signs you're trying to navigate by. He did all of that. So when you get on his road going in the wrong direction, it's just like... You've got to be kidding me. That actually hurt a little bit. So I hope you heard that on the. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. I think I got a red mark here on my forehead now. (laughs) (laughs) You get hazard There you go. Likewise, this is echoed in your New Testament, James chapter 1. James, your Proverbs of the New Testament, your wisdom carried forward, right? Right. Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Oh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. See, you can't sit there and say that I'm walking... I'm, you can't talk the talk without walking the walk. That's yeah, just, your actions speak yeah, louder than your words That's just how do, right? this works. Yep. That's how this has always worked. That's what Jesus is getting on about here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? Mm. You have deluded yourself if you say Jesus is Lord, but you live like Satan is Lord. And you know who you are. I'm not going to say any names, but you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you. Okay? Whoever you are, I'm it's looking at you. Staring you down. <laughs> now instead, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you what he is like. Alright? Always remember this is part of how you're supposed to be. What is Jesus what's that drum beat in Jesus' ministry? You wish to come after me, what must you do?
1: Pick up your cross. Deny
0: yourself, take up your cross, follow after me. You know, Jesus, I would love to follow you, but I got to go do this. You're out. Jesus, I'd love to follow you, but I got to go do that. You're out. None of that flies. You forsake everything. Right.
1: Die to yourself. You know that, notice that's the first thing that's mentioned. Yeah, every you time. Die to yourself. Pick up your cross. And the apostles follow.
0: wondered about this. We, we've given up everything. And Jesus' short, you, you ready for the Reader's hood version? I got this. That's Jesus' answer. Lord, we've given up everything to follow you, and I got you. That's Mm -hmm. Jesus' answer. I got you. Mm -hmm. It will be okay. That's part of how this is supposed to be. We forget that part, that when we have surrendered, we have turned from sin, surrendered to Christ, we have—wait for it—surrendered. You don't get to keep fighting after you surrender.
1: It's an unconditional surrender. <laughs> it's supposed to be. You don't get to bring anything into this. You've completely surrendered.
0: Yeah. So, so let's, let's it's, it's, it's military week because, you know, the world is on fire <laughs> as usual. Yeah. So like you don't get to go. So if you're in battle and the other side goes, we surrender, we surrender, and you stand up, do you just stand up and unload your gun and go walk out to shake hands with them? Probably not. No. no. Like no. so, they're in their little hole, and you're in your little hole, and they pop up waving a white flag. Do you hop up, and go look, guys? They surrendered, and everybody unloads their guns, takes off their body armor, and like you know, call orders in champagne.
1: Probably not. No. Mm-hmm. You walk over there. How? Guarded. Loaded.
0: Loaded. Ready. Because if he so much as blinks wrong, that indicates in any shape, form, or fashion that he is lying about surrendering. Well, then you weren't surrendered, and I do what? Shoot him. Yes. Remember, what do we do to terrorists? We shoot them in the face. Mm -hmm. So when the guy acts like a terrorist and refuses to surrender after saying he surrendered, we shoot him in the face. Welcome to the judgment from God. You don't get to say, I have surrendered to God and I am a Christian. And then live like the world. If you do that, you ready for it? God's going to shoot you in the face. (laughs) It will not be pleasant. You are supposed to actually live this out. So, if you are... This is what you should look like. You're like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So in other words, because you have built yourself accordingly, according to who God is, what he has told you you should do, you can stand firm against the things of this life. Peter understood this coming to him as as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, built on the rock, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed this precious value then is for those who believe but for those who disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected this became the very cornerstone a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed dun 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 How you walk matters, not because how you walk determines what your fate will be. How you walk reveals what your fate will be, because it reveals what your foundation
1: is. Hmm. Catch that distinction. Yeah, that's an interesting distinction. Yeah, but you do have, you do have the language of predestination in. In what you just read. Yes, yeah. and that's
0: why, that's why I've used the word fate, and I have no problems using that, because yeah. if I am surrendered to Christ, I am built upon the rock, I will build upon that rock. Now look, I might be an idiot builder. That's a distinct possibility. I might be the worst builder in human history. Welcome to the Christian who struggles with lots of sin. But what is he still doing?
1: Building. He's
0: still attempting to build upon the foundation that is Christ. He may not be doing a good job. But he is attempting to build upon the foundation that is Christ. Right. He will persevere to the end. Not because he's awesome at what he does, but because God is awesome at what he does. Right. And the Son of Man has come to seek and
1: save that which is lost. Right. Because God built the foundation. God is the one that furnishes us with the, you know, the good works prepared beforehand. All of these things. And if we are truly walking in that and yes. we're building on that foundation, although we might not be perfect, we are going to... Slowly make progress. Exactly, and that's all we're looking for.
0: We're just looking. Look, this is how do I get from here to there? The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Right. That journey of a thousand miles continues with one step. At no point did you take twenty-seven steps. You just continually took one step and one step and one step. Heard a great um, great story from a uh, from a, a former marine. This would be a, good. Yeah. Well, he was. Uh, yeah. I, it was actually clean because it was on the radio. Okay. <laughs> and, he was, and he was explaining the, the reason why he passed boot camp.
1: Hmm. What's that? Pride. Oh, okay.
0: He just didn't want to quit in front of his buddies.
1: Yeah, that's one way to do it. He wanted to
0: quit 27 times yeah. on marches, you know, when everything's like, I'm cold and I'm tired and my feet hurt and I want to go home. But he didn't quit yeah. because he didn't want to look like a wuss in front of his buddies.
1: I remember those days.
0: <laughs> Christian, yep. that should be instructive for you. This is why you continue to walk. You just take one more step. Why? Because I'm walking in Christ. Mm. And he has died for me, given of himself, and he empowers and strengthens me. Therefore, I can take another step. If I choose not to take another step, it is not because Christ has failed. It is because he was never on my side to begin with. That's the distinction that we're drawing here. That's the lesson that's got to be learned. I continue. This is where your motivation comes from. It's a similar motivation. He doesn't want to quit the Marine Corps because I don't want to look like a wuss in front of my buddies. I'm not quitting Christ because I am not forsaking the sacrifice that has been given on my behalf. If you are capable of forsaking the sacrifice given on your behalf, then the sacrifice hasn't been given on your behalf because you haven't been changed. You are still walking according to the world. You have built upon the wrong foundation. You may have gotten something right for a little while. File that sentence in the back of your brain. We will come back to it later. I promise. <laughs> you may get something right for a little while, but ultimately your work will be revealed as having been wrought in evil. Yeah. Every single time. Not some of the time. Every single time. God does not fail. He does not miss. That's why you get the second half of this. But the one who has heard... And has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. That just sounds so dumb, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna stick some sticks in the ground, yeah. you know, see what happens. In the mud. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. In other words, God shot him in the face. Why? Because he built his life on anything he could find,
1: as long as it wasn't God. Yeah, there'll be those people like in. In Matthew 7? Yes. Depart from me, ye workers of Iniquity. I never knew you.
0: Yeah, that would be something useful to learn. File into the back of your head, Christian, because those people matter. You're going to see them every day. And you have to be careful because the world loves to throw this out at you. Because the world loves to find the little cookie of the Christian worldview and then try to implement it without Christ. So let's, let's go ahead and define this first. Christian living... Without Christian empowerment is not Christian living, okay? It's legalism of the highest order. It is, it's Oz. Not the prison show, but the wizard thing from the 30s. Got it. there, it's
1: the,
0: it's, there's, there's no there there. There's no brain, there's no heart, there's no courage. The man behind the curtain has no power. There, it's just nothing. It's an empty shell of a thing. That is what happens when you attempt to construct Christian living without Christian empowerment. All right, Christian, pop quiz time. You ready? What is the power source for your Christian living? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Soundy cool mm
1: -hmm, answer. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And the answer is the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you receive this Holy Spirit? Well, I repent of my sins, trust in Christ, and then God graciously grants me this. Mm-hmm. See why the walking matters? Because if you're not walking, if you're not walking in a Christian manner for Christian reasons, then you're not being spurred on by the Holy Spirit, which means if the Holy Spirit's there, do you think he just showed up one day to like have a cup of coffee and watch you walk, watch you walk off a cliff?
1: That would be horrible.
0: Like, is is the Holy Spirit just in? in, in, in uh, 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 what's the word? I just it just went right out of my head. Possessing people is the only thing I've gotten. It's not what I'm looking for. Mm. Indwelling. Indwelling. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a word. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Holy Spirit indwelling people just so he can play his own personal game of wipeout? Yeah, no. We'll just walk this guy no, from the bus. Watch no. this guy. This is gonna be awesome. He thinks I'm telling him to go left, and he's like, Wah. Yeah, that's not how this works, that's not how any of this works. Mm. The Holy Spirit is there to testify and point to Christ, who will then glorify the Father, who will then reward the Son. You see how this kind of keeps going in a circle?
1: Right, well, I mean, even if you look at the the Scriptures, you know, uh, let's let's take the Exodus, for example, the pillar of cloud, the fire. God directed their path in every aspect. He showed them where to go and how to follow Him. Yes. And so to, to think that He's just going to, oh, go left, and He really needs for you to go right, I mean, it's not... That's not the evidence that we, you know, or the. And that's my point, yes. Yeah, right. That's
0: exactly be, because the Holy Spirit is not interested in just goofing off. No. He's no. not a teenage kid with his first job. Mm-hmm. He's actually accomplishing holiness, righteousness, and kingdom work in God's people, right. which are His people, third member right. of the Trinity. That's how that works. Yeah. Before you get confused.
1: <laughs> and, and, man, I mean, when you look at the way the New Testament talks about. The helper and yes. christ sending the helper and the holy spirit indwelling us and us being the temple of the living god and and so th- there's this holy cohabitation that's going on in believers and they're being guided and directed by the holy spirit and and being empowered like you're talking about by the holy spirit this is i mean like you said it's not a game
0: yeah, and he accomplishes yes. he who began
1: a good work Will be faithful to complete it.
0: How will he be faithful to complete it? With the Holy Spirit. You have not been left as orphans. You have not been left without. You have been given another comforter. Christian, if you have not been given the other comforter, it's because you are not Christian. What does it look like? Second Peter chapter 2. Mm. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising freedom. While they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to it vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Man, oh, Peter, that's, that's, Peter was rough. Yeah, that was some tough, tough words there. Dude, yeah, decaf. Mm-hmm. Decaf Peter is something we need to say. That or <laughs> Peter just needs a hug. Or, he was serious about this because the Holy Spirit's serious about this because this stuff matters. You know, that could possibly be it, could it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, why do we say this? Right, this is where we try to make some application. You ready? Discipleship is the thing we're worried about. That, at the end of the day, When we, anytime, if we don't use the word, anytime we are talking about you living out your Christianity, we are talking about the fruits of discipleship and sanctification, which can basically, they're, they're hand-in-hand accomplishments. You are growing in sanctification because you are growing in discipleship and vice versa. I truly believe you're, if you're growing in discipleship, you're going to be growing in sanctification. If you're not growing in sanctification, check your discipleship. What are you learning? What are you filling your head with? What is your What is in your heart? What What are your motivations? Growth in knowledge and wisdom of God, growth in sanctification. Those Those two things typically grow and go hand in hand because that's how the right. ministry is meant to work. And so,
1: that, and that knowledge of God comes from an understanding of the Scriptures first and foremost. I mean, yes, yes, all of those other, you know, primary and secondary and tertiary sources that you can get your hands on, encyclopedias and all that stuff. That's all good, but first and foremost, the Bible,
0: which is. I hate when the words just go right out of my head. You saw it, right? The, it yeah, was right yeah, there, and yeah, then it was like, right and then it, there's yeah. a glitch in the matrix, and like the whole thing goes blank, and I got to reset the mechanism. All right. Two primary institutions. Those are the words I'm going to go with. The two primary institutions of discipleship are think about it for a second. Think about it. Your two primary institutions of discipleship. All right. You think you got them, Lou?
1: Uh, well. Church and church and what, what what else would you think? Family. Family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It starts at home too. Yes. Yeah. Church yeah. is
0: meant to be the corporate, God ordained method by which the Word is proclaimed. Right. The one another's are acted out. Right. The discipleship, the teaching, the comforting, and the spiritual gifts are being exercised in public. Mm-hmm. Is meant to be done through the church.
1: Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah,
0: we are. If you have listened to this for any length of time, we are church people. We are big on involvement in the church. We're sitting in one right
1: now. Right now. We are here. So,
0: yeah, that's how this works. When this is done, we're going to go to another church meeting. We're going to have our men's Bible study. And, I'm, I'm, and for those of you that can't see me, I'm literally pointing at the room we're going to go to because it's right next door. So, now yeah, that's primary. The other primary avenue is the family. We've said this a thousand times. Your first ministry is always at home, right. always at home. You walk faithfully in Christ so that you can disciple your spouse, encourage them, train your children, minister or witness to your parents, your siblings, aunts, uncles, nieces, and nephews, that crazy person in the family reunion you don't like to talk to. And every family has one. If you don't know who the crazy person in the family reunion that no one wants to talk to is, it's it's because it's you. I'm sorry that no one has told you that, but you need to know these things. You're welcome. You're yeah. (laughs) <laughs> now, now, work on that. Okay? For Repent,
1: right? And I, I think I think fathers should take this so seriously. Well, yes, it's commanded. This is this is one of the most important aspects of who you are as a father and and a believer. The, is discipleship at home all the time, every chance you get, because the world is going to eat your family alive if you don't. This is why you're
0: given Ephesians five authority, Dad. Hmm. It's not so you can be like, I'm the man of the house. You got to
1: do what I say.
0: Get me a beer, woman.
1: Where's <laughs> my beer? Now,
0: look, if she enjoys that, then, then I didn't tell you not to do that. But that's not why you were given that authority. I mean, like, you, you, could, you could luck out and marry somebody like my wife. I'd be like, come here, woman. And she's like, what? She, th- she thinks it's a term of endearment. So, I mean, I, I did well.
1: Yeah, she's special.
0: I'm not making a joke. I am not making a joke. I am not making a joke. <laughs> She'll listen to this later and be like, uh, Come really? Mean. And I'll get the look, and that'll be worth You'll it. Get the look. But yeah, this is why you're given the authority, though. Not because you just get to be in charge, but because you're supposed to be leading somewhere. That's mm. why, okay, you ready? Pop quiz. This is important. This is the hardest thing I'm going to ask you today. What comes after Ephesians 5. you're thinking, aren't you? Ephesians 6. Yeah, Yeah. of course. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may be well with you that you may live long on earth. Okay. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, lead your children rightly. I'm having bad 70s flashbacks again. Teach your children well.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: <laughs> can't, you see, can't you see hippies swaying in a field of wildflowers? I can. Yes, you can picture it with that song, can't yeah, you? I don't I'm know sure why can. I can picture it with that song, but I just... I don't even know who sings that. Someone's going to know that and send that in. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. This is the other primary means of discipleship, though. You are meant to, and literally commanded to, orient and organize your family around godliness. How you have meal time, how you go to work, how you go to school, how you talk about school, how you talk about the neighbor should be oriented around discipleship based in godliness. Your interaction with the neighbors should be instructive to your children on how a Christian interacts with the neighbors.
1: Yeah, it should be recognized here that what Paul is talking about is not new. Mm -mm. It's something that he is pulling directly from, you know, the Torah. This is the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Yeah.
0: That's exactly... And look, that's, there's another one of our favorites, right? Right. Write it on your forehead. Write it on the city gates. Write it on the doors of your house. Write it on your wrists. Talk put it to about where, it on the way home. When I'm... you stand up, when you lie down. In other words... Yeah. Saturate... You'll, we'll go King Jimmy on him. You ready? All right. Saturate thy life <laughs> in thy holy word. <laughs> we need more thighs. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> now, why does that matter? Because... What goes on in church—remember, church is one of the primary means of discipleship—is one to, what, at best, one to three hours, five hours a week for the average evangelical on a good, on a good week?
1: Yeah, that's, yeah but that's—if that's, you ask me, that's still not enough. But. No,
0: but, that, but that's my point. Yeah. So in other words, that's supposed to be digging the hole. So when we talk about building a foundation in Christianity, what goes on in church is, is hole-digging. Who's putting in beams and pouring concrete? The family the rest of the week. Yeah. Who's ensuring that your kids are building upon the things that they learned in their Sunday school class on Sunday when you're sitting around on a Tuesday afternoon? Your Sunday school teacher's not in your house unless you are the Sunday school teacher, and then don't make faces at me. That doesn't count. That's not the point that I'm making, and you know what I'm talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What builds that up? This is, this is where the other primary means comes in. Now, you may be saying to yourself, yeah, but we do good. We're okay. I mean, my kids get good grades. They, they don't, you know, they don't throw spitballs at the teacher. They, you know, we're not, you know, they're not the hellions of the neighborhood. They help out when they can and they're awesome. So, okay, great. That's wonderful. Why? Why are they doing these things? Right.
1: Um, years ago, I
0: got a lot of strange looks I was a youth pastor. I know. Hard to believe, yeah, right?
1: That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that whatever happened to you. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, I was sitting – I got a lot of the parents together. I'm never going to say I got all the parents together because none of the, all the parents never show up to anything. <clears throat> but I got a lot of the parents together, and I talked about it. I said, do us all a favor. Never, ever refer to your children as good kids. They just kind of looked at me. Because, you know, that would happen all the time is that there would be this student somewhere or, you know, a friend of one of the kids in the youth group and be like, we want to get him more involved in church. He's really a good kid, but – yeah, there's that butt. Well, and the butt is always that you know they don't go to church and the family's not involved and, and they're working on them. I and I have no problems, but see, get this idea out of your head that they're a good kid. They're not. Hmm. If they're not in Christ, they're pagans, they're rank sinners, looking for any opportunity to indulge in the lust of their eyes and the indulgences of their flesh. This is how they work. Now, if you have been training them they may not be walking in that manner. Why? Because you're pulling them in the right direction. At some point, though, they have to know why you're pulling them in that direction so that the walk is not something that you have empowered but something that the Holy Spirit has empowered. Because at some point, Mom and Dad, they're leaving your house, they're walking away from you, and if they have to stand on their own without the power of the Holy Spirit, they're doomed. Doomed, I say, to quote Linus from the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown this stuff matters. You have to give them the why. <clears throat> That's what Jesus is getting on about. That's what James is getting on about. That's what Paul is getting on about. Is when you're building the foundation, it's not just what you're doing, but the reason behind why you're doing it. It's not the what. It's always the why. Now, why am I hammering this so hard?
1: Yeah.
0: Pretty tall. You ready? Yes. The Institute for Family Studies. Growing up with mom and dad, new data confirm the tide is turning. See, this should be good news, right? This is their, the, one of their little highlights. It's too early to say for certain, but growing numbers of actual and would-be parents seem to be heeding the conventional wisdom that a stable two-parent family helps children flourish. One of the most encouraging developments is the rebound in the proportion of black children being raised by their biological biological fathers as well as their birth mothers. I'm surprised they haven't been canceled yet for even saying that out loud. Yeah, for sure. See, all the experts agreed the nuclear family was on its way out. The two-parent family of married mother and father bringing up their own biological children would soon be replaced by a menagerie of alternative family forms. You and I have lamented this before. Cohabitating couples with children, single-parent families, blended families, same-sex couples raising children conceived and born in a variety of unconventional ways. That, the fact that I have to read that sentence as a possibility just astounds me some days. It does. And for more than half a century, each year's tabulation from the Census Bureau on children's living arrangements seemed to prove the experts right. So... In other words, in 1960, <clears throat> let me see, which category am I? Proportion of children under 18 living with two parents, single parent and neither parent. So in 1960, 87.7% of children lived in married, two-family, two-parent households. Oh,
1: that's pretty
0: high. All right. In 1970, the number was down to 852 in 1975, it was 80.3. 1980, 76.7. 85 was 73.9. 1990 was 72 and a half. 1995 was 68.7. 2000, we had a bump up to 69 percent, and then in '05 we were down to 67 percent. But since then, 2010, 69.4. 2015 69.2 2020
1: 70.4 It's going in the right direction. Yeah,
0: now neither parent has basically held steady from 3.2 to 4.1% since 1960 with, you know, little bumps in the road all the way. Where the drop is coming is in the single parent households. So, you're starting to see on the rise more parents getting married, staying married and raising kids. Now, if this article goes on they're making, they don't know yet if, you know, this is just because parents are just doing this, you know, for like for the kids, you know, everybody knew that family growing up. Mm-hmm. Like it's the minute the last kid got out of the house, they were both divorced and you're like, but they always seem so happy. And like, no, they hated each other for the last 15 years, but <laughs> they stayed together for the children. So, so this is the new rise. And you now you may be sitting there going, this is awesome, right? Where we should be celebrating this. Conversely, how many... Ministries, polling organizations, and Christian entities in general have been telling you that really for the last 60 years, which would be 1960 to 2020, and really the last 20 years, we have been seeing a decline in Christian identification in the world. And the answer would be all of them have been saying that because that's been the theme of culture. So <clears throat> so we're seeing a rise in a Christian value, the stable to parent family without a rise in Christian empowerment, with an actual decrease in Christian empowerment, what is that going to lead to? Is that going to lead to something that is good? Is that going to lead to something that is objectively helpful in the world?
1: Well, I I think we did a real good job at, at, at talking about the foundations. And if this situation that's growing in our country with the two parent households continues i mean that in itself is good but the foundation if it is not of christ it's ultimately doomed for failure in some sort of way
0: i would agree and that's kind of my point yeah because first blush you're like hey this is good define
1: good right Right, and, and there's got to be absolutes, but in, in a worldview devoid of Christian worldview, there are no absolutes.
0: But, but th- and this is why this becomes so, so damaging, because what's, what's going to happen? Statistically speaking, you should see a rise in graduation rates. You should see a, rise, a decrease in drug abuse and things like that. But here's my point. In the last 20 years, have we seen teenage drug use increase or decrease?
1: No, well, it's increased.
0: But we've seen two parent households increase.
1: Right, but like a, well, like you you're pointing out here, they're not they're not Christian.
0: And that's my this is what I'm getting at. So when you try to live <clears throat> a Christian virtue without the empowerment of Christianity, what are you really living in? What religious system would we call that?
1: Paganism. Yeah,
0: it's, it's pagan legalism. Mm-hmm. So that now here's this is why <clears throat> I point this out. That family that you knew where they just stayed together for the kids, do you know who knew that they hated each other? Everyone. Well, even if the neighborhood didn't know, you know who did know? Kids. The kids knew. Yeah. Which means, was it objectively good that those parents stayed
1: together? How, in some cases, <laughs> that does do harm.
0: <laughs> and that's my point.
1: Right. It, it, because, it's, no, it's divisive is I'm what it not is. I'm not
0: making the argument that they should have divorced. Right. I'm making the argument that they should have had a better foundation for their marriage other than their children.
1: Well, ultimately, kids feel like they have to choose sides. And so that's why yes. I say it's a divisive.
0: because what you've, got, and... what you've got is a foundation that's broken. Yeah. So what's the God of that marriage? We're together. Look, I hate my wife, and you know she's a miserable human being, and she thinks the same about me. But we're staying together for our children. What's the God of my marriage? My children are the God of my marriage. They're the thing that everything else revolves around. I tolerate this person I don't like because of that deity over there. That deity commands me to deal with that person. Hmm. That's what ha- So what happens when you take someone or something that is not God and make him God? What does an idol do to every worshiper's heart?
1: It turns it away from the one yeah. true God. And, it, and I think that goes back to your point of uh, the reasons why you do things is very important.
0: Exactly. So what I'm getting at is we're going to— a lot of Christian commentators are going to look at this study and go, Man, look at this is awesome. This is great. Look, these kids are going to be better off. And the point that I'm making is— it's godless. Yeah, we it can't is Priceless. It's not better. Mm-hmm. It, look, am I happy that there are more two-parent married households? Yes. Mm-hmm. Am I going to lie to myself and delude myself into thinking that that means that those kids are going to succeed where others failed? No, because I'm already seeing the fruit of 15 to 20 years of increase in instabilities in, in family households while seeing a cratering of test scores. Sobriety in teenagers, um, lifespan of
1: children. They're killing themselves at record numbers because they're miserable human beings. Yeah, we, we do have some other extenuating factors in, in, our, in our world today, but that's that are my causing point. more of that.
0: And that's my point.
1: Yeah. I, the, the growth of stability of two-parent households
0: is not a tide turn. it's another symptom of the same problem, which is growth in drug use, growth in suicide destruction of society what it points these families to is these families are going well we want to give our kids the best opportunity so what should we do well statistically speaking if we did this we'll be better off statistically speaking is not your god statistically speaking is not the creator in the universe statistically speaking does not have a law that grants you anything they're trying to get the christian outcome without the christian power
1: Right, yeah, well said. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, you know, in, in, when you see marriages that are kind of hobbled, if you will, uh, just just carrying on for the kids, uh, oftentimes you see resentment. Always, you know, for or the parents towards the children or the children towards the parent, mm-hmm. and and so it's not a healthy environment at all, and it lacks substance because it it, it doesn't have the root and stem of our foundation, exactly. which is Christ.
0: And that's going to be my point for Christian families. Right. These are the lies that the culture will tell you. Well, I need to do this because. No. Well, I should probably live like that because. No. God is my answer. God is my reason. I don't love my wife because the neighbors will talk about me if I don't. I love my wife because it's what honors God in how he has ordained my life. I disciple my children not so that they will grow up to do well. I disciple my children because that is how God has ordained that I should should live. And that honors God, the sacrifice that he has made, what he has granted to me. It honors that in how I walk. My focus is not on doing the thing for another reason. My focus needs to be on doing the thing for God right that's the why do you call me lord lord and do not do what i say what does what is the primary message of jesus repent believe the good news that's your initiation from that point forward everything in his ministry is about what getting you to focus
1: where on god
0: yeah everything
1: yeah, yeah he's he's not interested in lip service Right.
0: Exactly. Go, read John. You want, you want good homework? Read John. Yeah. Especially, look, read all of it because it won't take you that long. But if you have to, like pick up around John 2 and read through John 6. Mm-hmm. Because you'll see this in action. You'll see Jesus proving himself with his miraculous works. And you'll see the anger of the religious leaders because they're not in on the game. And you will see the stupidity of the crowd. And Jesus calls them out on it. You're following me around because you ate bread yesterday. Right. Your bellies were full and your heads are empty. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically yeah. the gist of the beginning of John 6. It's
1: like, wake up, people.
0: And what does he try to do? He doesn't grant them another full belly. He tries to fill their minds with the good thing of God. He tries to point them, look, what was the point of your belly being full? What was the purpose of that? It wasn't so you wouldn't be hungry. It was so that your mind would be renewed so that you would understand who God is. So that you would then do what? No longer live for here, no longer live for your stomach, but live for God on high. Christian, this is the same thing. When we say, well, I'll do this because this will give my kids better test scores. They need 2.7 activities after school because that will make them well-balanced and they won't be awkward around other people and all these things. I mean, look, I'm a homeschool family. So I get this all the time. Well, how do you make sure they're socialized? By talking to them. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, without children their own age, they learn to talk to people when you put them around people and tell them it's okay to talk to them. Mm-hmm. See, have well-balanced, grounded kids who are more afraid of God than they are the rest of the world. You know what they'll do?
1: They'll talk to people. Well, that and bring them to church. That's where I, other kids I, you are going Again, be. where's
0: my primary discipleship? Yeah. At home and at church. Right, so I they're... mean, you want a good laugh? Bring my kid to Walmart. Go ahead. I dare you. Bring either one of them. I have walking Walmart greeters. Hmm. They they got mad once because the greeter got too busy and didn't say hi to them. <laughs> we had to stop and go back. We were three aisles like we were doing the up and down the whole aisle thing. This was back when you could do this before COVID. Yeah, and we were like third aisle, and the kid was still complaining. He didn't say hello to me. He, oh my goodness! Fine. <laughs> we had to go back and go. Will you please speak to this child? <laughs> he is upset that you did not talk to him. <laughs>
1: You better say hi.
0: (laughs) Guy was like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Hey, how are you? And he's like, hi, how are you? Okay, we can chop now. Oh, my goodness. He said, like, two. (laughs) That's funny. Why? Because you talk to people. It's not weird. Don't be weird. I mean, it's not that complicated. Don't be unusual. But we lie to ourselves and say, well, they need this. They need that. I've got to supply this. I've got to supply that. No. You need to supply biblical discipline and discipleship at home and in the context of other faithful believers seeking to do the same. Again, at church and at home. Anything else is a false foundation. Anything else is you trying to accomplish the Christian outcome without the Christian power. It's you trying to bring community from a place that is not designed to give it. It's the wrong way. Now, here's the beauty of Christianity. When I realize that that's what I've been doing in my life, what do I do? I -hmm. repent, recognize that for that too, Christ has died, and I can live accordingly. I can walk anew. Why? Because Christ has empowered me to walk anew. And if you're mad at me right now, check your heart. That's all I'm asking. Now, look, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. Lou's not throwing things at me, so I don't think he thinks I'm really wrong. So... (laughs) So again, I would say, if you're annoyed by this, check your heart. Orient. Look, if you're saying that, that, well, my kids need 2.7 activities after school, okay, then just justify that in a biblical worldview. That's all I'm asking you to do. Mm -hmm. Tell me that this is what they're accomplishing, this is what they're doing, this is how this helps our family honor God.
1: Yeah, but those activities do not take the place of the father discipling the children. Agreed. Right.
0: And that's why I said... Explain to me how those activities, how you utilize them to honor God. Look, I have coached multiple sports. You can utilize sports for children, young adults, and adults as a way to teach them how to honor God. Lots of good life lessons on a baseball field, football field, and a basketball court. Lots of them. You, I mean, I've, I've actually had this argument with some children. Like, You need a sport. You know why? You need to learn how to lose. Mm-hmm. One of the great blessings of my life was being on some really terrible teams when I was a kid and a teenager. Because yeah. you know what I learned how to do? I learned how to lose gracefully.
1: Mm-hmm. Character.
0: I learned how to do what was good and right. Look, you want to have some fun? Look, I'll t- this is one of, favorite, one of my favorite all-time youth sports memories. I lost a game in six innings. You ready? Mm-hmm. 18 outs. I lost a six-inning game. No, I'm sorry. No, wait. Maybe it was – no, it might have been five innings. We got mercy ruled in five innings. I lost a five-inning game with 12 strikeouts. Okay. Wow. Because if anybody put the ball into play, it was not an out. Not because I got shelled that day. You don't rack up 12 strikeouts out of 15 outs because you're not – You know, because you're getting shelled that day. Because anything hit did not turn into an out. I can almost to this day still see the three outs that were hit. Remember, one was a fly ball to right field, one was a pop-up to the first baseman. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, it was. you want to talk about an annoying day to stand there on a mound and pitch and pitch and pitch and know that if you are not perfect, you will not get an out. Yeah, it's tough. That was good for me hmm Was it fun? In a twisted sort of way, yes. But it was still good for me. Because what do I learn? I learned how to do my job well. Not for you, but because this is the job that I have been given. Christian, this is what we should be teaching our children. This is why you do your job well. This is why you work well. Not because it accomplishes great and wonderful things, because that is the task that God has set before you. Again, why are you doing it? You can go to work every day and be amazing at your job as a Christian and be sinning. We don't realize that on a regular basis. Sure. I can take my kids to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every vacation Bible school, every whatever. You know, I've seen those families where the doors to the church are open, they're there. And I can do that sinfully. I can because I'm doing it with the wrong motivation. And that's the danger of this world is that it lulls you so easily into a false sense of security. And that's why I point out a story like this because we're going – so often we'll see that in our knee-jerk reaction is, oh, look, yes, stable two-parent married households. That's a win. Well, why are they doing it? Well, because they think it's better for their children. That may not be a win. That may have unintended consequences that we don't see.
1: I mean, what's the basis for their thinking that? Exactly. I mean, you got to get to the root of the matter.
0: Exactly, which means we actually have to know them and be engaged in discipling. Yeah. This is what we do. But that involves actually understanding why. I'm... Smack my microphone. That actually involves me understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing, so that I can then instruct others into why they're doing what yeah, they're it's the doing. Motive
1: of the heart. I mean, yes. that's what God. You know, he wants a circumcised heart. He wants people who want to to do his will. Uh, I mean, he, he calls you out of the muck and the mire, yes. and not like like we talked about earlier, yes. returning to that, that pit of mud,
0: and not and making sure that we can distinguish as we grow as to what is mm-hmm. muck and what is clean path. Because you're sitting there going, well, that should be obvious. You would think that,
1: yeah, but right. you
0: can do the right thing for the wrong reason. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you.
1: Right.
0: That's going to be. uh... That's the warning. And that's what I think you're seeing with this rise in culture because our culture is not getting more Christian. No. But it's trying to restore the veneer of Christianity.
1: There's a lot of virtue signaling going on today, but that doesn't mean that there's any virtue to be had in some of these.
0: And will the restoration of a veneer of Christianity be somewhat beneficial to the world in general?
1: Well, it's, if it's just a veneer, probably not. I mean,
0: Long term, no. But short term, would it, would it make our society look better? Would we be able to function a little bit better in it? Possibly. Yeah. But the point that I'm making is that possibility is not worth the unintended consequences 10, 20, 30 years down the road. You want to understand culture. Look, you understand the cultural reactions of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Look at the veneer of Christianity we had in the 40s and 50s. We had a Christian living without a Christian empowerment. What does that get you?
1: Where we're at today, really. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, these, this is the fruit from what happened a while ago. This didn't just pop up.
0: But while all of that is going on around you, if you are faithfully discipling in the family, faithfully being discipled and discipling in the church community, will your fruit be good? And the answer, I think, is yeah. yes. Yes. Because you are doing the right thing the right way for the, for right, the right, reason. right reasons. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And then we need to trust in the Holy Spirit that he will guide and direct exactly. our children and, and the ones that we are discipling so that they won't stumble and that he will preserve them as well.
0: And that's the point.
1: Yeah. So what have we learned here today, children?
0: Why you do what you do is important. God's precepts will bear fruit, and God's fruit is always good. So questions, comments, complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. You can go to the website. You know the drill. Check out all this stuff. Share with your friends and neighbors. We enjoy it, so until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.
1: Bye.